So before we get to the day today, shall we bow our heads in prayer and begin our time with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this privilege and we come to your presence, to the throne room of grace and mercy this afternoon in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for we come in the name of your son and not on our own merit. And we thank you that you receive us and we are accepted in the beloved. We come at this time to your hand, Lord. We pray that you would draw us to you by your spirit. Lord, we pray that our lips may utter what you lay in our hearts. That this time will be a time where we lay hold of you, Lord, with all earnestness. That your spirit will move upon each one of us. Lord, we pray that every work of the enemy be bound in the name of your son, Jesus. That we may have a freedom to bring our needs and petitions before you. We come at this time to you, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So for today's meditation, I want to look at a few verses from the Olivet Discourse of the Lord from Luke's Gospel. We read in Luke chapter 21, verse 34 to 36. Luke 21, 34 to 36. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that they come upon you unaware. For as a snare shall it come on all of them that dwell on the face of the earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now the Lord was speaking to his disciples, responding to their question on the 70-80 temple destruction and also the end times. Now it is possible here, many of us may have different views about the end times. And I just want, don't want to get into the place of debate, but want to find an application from this passage for our prayer time today. And we are praying for revival. The sole purpose of this gathering together is for revival. And we know invariably revival always has a science of repentance, first of all, among God's people, and then also it spreads to community. That is what we see from past revivals. We are living in, living in a time of great tidal wave of sin in all pervasive ways. And it is becoming such a giant wave that it appears there is no force that can stem it or stop it. We know government after government are bending backwards to appease a minority to legitimize sin into normalcy. We have been recently hearing about Canada, Australia, some states in the US, and right now here in United Kingdom, the things are in a consultation phase on the same subject. The question is, why are we getting there? And what can we do about it as part of this prayer meeting? A number of years back, there was a parliament debate in UK concerning same-sex marriage. I was praying before that for a long time that that would not get passed in the parliament. And I watched the debate go on in the parliament and I did find a number of Christian MPs stand for the law of God and for the sanctity of marriage as defined in the law of God, in the word of God. But as it usually happens, they were in a small number and the legislation was passed. And I cried unto the Lord, Lord, why did you allow this to happen? And I believe at that point of time, Lord put a thought in my mind, the last days will be like days of Lot from the book of, uh, from Luke chapter 17. I also remember this verse from uh, Romans 4.13, which says, where there is no law, there is no sin. So what are the various governments doing by legislating sin into normalcy? They're removing the laws which were working as a restraint against sin. 
So they are making the knowledge of the law to be no longer there. So sin becomes normal. Today, it becomes almost impossible to watch any program on the telly where you may, sin is made subtly normal. And we know our children are growing up in the schools and the society where sin is no longer considered sin. So the restraining law is slowly being removed in country after country. And if this tidal wave has begun in so-called the Christian West, and I, it is not, it's not too long before it can go to the East where generally the traditional values still hold good. So the human race is plunging ahead towards the day of Lot when God judged Sodom and Gomorrah. The question is, can we stop this tide? Now, again, we may have different views on the subject because it is an end time subject. But I feel if the coming of the Lord is near, then I do not think we can stop the tide. But there is still hope, and that is why we pray. Now, when we look at the biblical accounts of past judgments, the judgments, whether they were local or global, they always came when the cup of iniquity got filled up. So if we are ending, coming to the end of the age, the increasing sin should lead us towards the iniquity of the whole world to get filled up so that God's judgment can come. Well, that is tragic. But also it is a time that we look forward to because of the coming of the Lord will come with the end of the age. And we, in a way, are looking forward for the coming of the Lord because that is the time of our redemption of our bodies too. But then we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, promise of his return, that is, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So our prayers are, therefore, to make use of the window of opportunity that is available for us now, before the cup of iniquity gets filled up, that we can somehow lay hold of the Lord and pray and seek his face, that we can somehow snatch as many as possible, from among our own loved ones, our people around us, from plunging into hell. Now, we know this tidal wave is plunging across, and all those things that we hold dear and valuable from the word of God is slowly being removed. But that becomes even more urgent that we should be praying more and more that we can see in the available time as many as are reached out. And when we have been hearing about heartbreaking stories from among this group, a group of people who are earnestly seeking God, earnestly seeking to please him. If we have a son or a daughter or a spouse or a parent who is away from the Lord, has gone away from the Lord, what about people out there who do not even know the Lord? What hope do they have? So it becomes even more important for us that our hearts are broken before the Lord, that we seek him not only to protect our people, the prodigals that have gone away, but also to seek the favor of the welfare of people around us who may come across day in and day out. That is why as we, as we head towards the end, the Lord says in this passage that I began today, we must pray always that we may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that are coming upon us. If we think we can stand or if we think our loved ones can stand, we deceive ourselves. We have to pray for ourselves first. That's what the Lord says in this passage. Because end time or sort of the evil one is going to be very, very, very powerful. So we need to pray for our loved ones even more than what we have been doing. That they are safe, they're protected. 
And also we need to pray for people around us, as many as possible can be snatched away from the cliff edge there where they're hanging now. Only the Lord can keep us standing and present us before him holy and blameless as Jude says in his letter. Now, most of us know by experience that even though we have all the modern gadgets in our hand today, we have no time to today. There's less time for things of God. Prayer meetings are disappearing from churches. The midweek Bible studies are rarely found. The legitimate gates of the world are robbing away our time. And we, we are not seeking, and we are not after things of God. And that is why the Lord says in this passage, take heed for yourself, first of all. Now, it's a great thing that we have this prayer meeting. It's so wonderful to come together and pray and lay our hearts bare before the Lord in unity and uh, with openness. And we would like to see the Lord answer our prayer so that we are encouraged even more to seek him more and more. But we must be careful that this prayer meeting somehow will not get diverted into anything, that the goal to which it was began somehow can get diluted. So may the Lord give us faith earnestly to seek him. We should not be found among those people when the Lord said, when he comes, will the son of man find faith on the earth? When he was giving, talking about this parable in Luke 18 about the widow and the unrighteous judge, the Lord ended this parable saying, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And he was talking about the end time, the very same passage that I began today, the time which is going to come back again. And what does he say there? Pray always that you may be found worthy to stand before him. Now, we may have different views on end times. Personally, I feel we are very close to the event, even if you don't agree with how it is going to happen and what's going to be happening. But we know from the scripture that apostles were waiting for the second coming of the Lord during their lifetime. And we know the saints of yesteryear also lived with the same expectation that the Lord will come during their lifetime. If we have that expectation, we will be propelled to pray even more, not only for us, not only for our loved ones, but also to people around us. We have our Jerusalem, we have our Judea, we have our Samaria, and we have a little end of our own worlds. All of us have a concentric circle of these geographies where we can pray for. So we can pray like the Moravians prayed. May the lamb have its reward in my daughter, in my son, in my brother, or in my cousin, or in this neighbor or that neighbor. May that be our cry to the Lord today. Then we will be able to say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you.